The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Dr. John Atwater. He is the Senior Director of Verification Programs for U.S. Pharmacopeia. He has over 30 years of experience in analytical chemistry, quality assurance, and drug product development. Dr. Atwater helped develop and implement the most stringent national and international verification programs for dietary supplements, dietary ingredients, pharmaceutical excipients, and active pharmaceutical ingredients. Dr. Atwater joined USP after serving as director of the Natural Products Analytical Group at Hauser Technical Services in Boulder, Colorado, where he worked with staff chemists to isolate natural drug actives and develop validated analytical test procedures for natural products analyses. Dr. Atwater earned his bachelor's in chemistry from the Colorado College and his PhD in analytical chemistry from Colorado State University. Welcome, Dr. Atwater. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I have a question for you first, just to start the ball rolling. How did you become interested in chemistry? Well, that's a good question. I was at Colorado College, and a chemistry teacher told me, there's so many business majors. Why don't you become one of six chemistry majors, and you'll be special? So that sort of led me down the path of chemistry and as they usually say, the rest is history. Yeah, but you must have liked it, right, to have spent so many decades in the field? Oh, I love chemistry. I mean, chemistry makes the world go round. Yeah. Um, I like to think of chemistry as the foundation of molecular biology. I mean, it really makes things work. Exactly. I've always had this thinking about biochemistry that it answers all the why questions. But I always like to ask scientists how they found their niche because I think science for so many of us, like science and math, it can be a little intimidating. But the way you describe it and the way I've experienced it as well is it just answers so many curiosities. And I'm so glad to have a chemist on today. And especially in the field of pharmacology and dietary supplements in particular. So you've been with USP, and I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's the U.S. Pharmacopeia. Correct. How did you become affiliated with them? What was it about their work that drew you towards them? Well, back in 2001, USP was beginning to consider starting a the verification program for dietary supplements because several dietary supplement manufacturers came to them and they wanted a way to communicate to consumers that their products were of high quality. So it was a unique opportunity which was necessary in order to draw me away from Colorado to Rockville, Maryland, which is just north of Washington, D.C. So it was just a unique opportunity and it is just a wonderful place to work. USP is filled with scientists with expertise in all areas of healthcare 
it's just a joy to go to work at USP on a daily basis and interact with all my scientific colleagues. I can imagine. And also being in Washington, D.C. or in that vicinity, you have the ability to hopefully influence policy in a positive direction. I know that these can be challenging times, but the policies that protect the public, and I'm thinking specifically of the Food and Drug Administration, I know that as a dietitian, I've always put such faith in our governmental organizations, the FDA, the EPA. And I think that as a general rule of thumb, at least for the FDA, their mission is terrific. They're often underfunded and leaving the public a little bit at risk. And so I know with regard to dietary supplements, as I was explaining before our interview started, even with a master's in human nutrition, when I go to the natural food store or even the grocery store and I am looking at dietary supplements, I am easily overwhelmed by the numbers, the choices, how they're priced. And then there are different labels on dietary supplements assuring me or not that the product is worth my time and money. So tell me how USP works to you put a seal on a product that you've tested. Is that correct? Well, that is correct. We have tested the product, but it involves a whole lot more than just testing because testing alone is not the way to guarantee the quality of a product. You have to ensure that quality was built into the product. And that's how our verification program has been designed to ensure that quality is built into a product. We do so by a multi-step process. We conduct what we call good manufacturing practice audits of the manufacturing facilities. We conduct product quality control and manufacturing product documentation review. It's an in-depth review on each product that undergoes verification, and we do full specification testing of the product for identity, potency, purity, limit of contaminants, and performance. And it's that three-step process that ensures that we are verifying a quality product. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought up manufacturing practices. So if you are doing an audit of a manufacturer, do they know the day you're going to show up? They do know when we're going to show up. It's typically a three-day audit, and we conduct audits on an annual basis. Okay. And how would you describe good manufacturing processes or practices? Well, when we conduct a what we call abbreviated a GMP audit, we're looking at six quality systems that a manufacturer should have in place. They should have a quality management system. They should have facilities and equipment, materials control, production controls, packaging and labeling, and laboratory controls. And we look at all six of those quality systems to make sure that they've got good procedures in place and that they're consistently following them. Okay. How do you obtain the products that you test? Are the manufacturers sending them to you, or do you go out into the supermarket or natural food store and just buy products off the shelf? No, the USP verification program is a voluntary program. So manufacturers participate in the program primarily to demonstrate the quality of their products to consumers and differentiate their products 
from their competitors. Okay. Um, so they determine what products they want to submit for verification. I see. But when they do so, we do evaluate the product to determine whether it's acceptable for inclusion in the program. So we make sure that the product does not contain any undesirable ingredients. It doesn't contain ingredients at undesirable levels. And that the ingredients for which a quantitative claim is made on the label has a scientifically validated test method with which to verify those quantitative claims. Okay, this is good. Now, when I go into the natural food store or the supermarket, I'm looking at walls, literally, Mm. of dietary supplements. And I notice that there are different verification labels. So there's consumerlab.com, there's NSF, International, Mm -hmm. there's USP, which is you, and then there's UL. How do I, as a consumer, look at those different labels and know which one is going to give me the best guarantee? Well, certainly I'm, I'm biased, but I would have to say that the USP verified mark is really the premier quality seal out in the marketplace. And I say that for, let's say, two primary reasons. Okay. Number one, our verification program is based on USP quality standards. The USP quality standards form the foundation of the verification program. These standards are created by experts with assistance from industry, government, healthcare practitioners, and they form the foundation of the program. These are publicly available standards that anyone can use, so anyone can check the work that we do by just following our USP standards. But our program is also the only program that encompasses both the GMP facility audit, the product quality control and manufacturing documentation review, and conducts full specification testing. The other programs don't do the in-depth product quality review that we do. They oftentimes will not do full product testing. They'll only test a couple of ingredients in the product So our program is a full-fledged program that covers all aspects of the quality of a product. Well, let me ask you, just for a a ballpark idea, of the products that you test, how many of those are verified, like on a percentage basis? You mean in terms of the number of products out there in the the marketplace? No, just let's just look at the ones that, of those that you choose to test— or that the manufacturer sends you to test, of those tested, how many pass muster? How many do you feel confident in putting the USP seal on? Well, we feel comfortable putting the USP verified mark on any product that passes the program requirements. So as we conduct verification work, think of it as a two-stage process. We have what we call initial verification, where we're conducting the GMP facility audit, the product documentation review, and the full product specification testing. And as we do this work, we will uncover quality issues that need to be addressed. And after the manufacturer addresses those issues sufficiently, 
then we award them the right to use the mark. And then we go into what we call stage two, phase two, market surveillance, and we continually monitor the quality of the product. So we'll go to store shelves and pull product off the shelves that bear the USP verified mark and conduct limited quality control product documentation review and full specification testing. And we do that on an annual basis. So we're continually monitoring the quality of the product, and no other program does that. Right. So of those products that you have tested, how many of those do you reject? Do you not verify? Well, it's really up to the manufacturer to determine whether or not a product goes through the program successfully. There can be situations where they may not be able to come up with a validated test method for a particular dietary ingredient. And if that's the case, then we pretty much terminate uh, the verification process for that product. But if they can develop a validated test method for their product, we certainly can continue to the end of the uh, process. But it's really up to the manufacturer. Our program is not really a pass-fail type program unless the manufacturer decides to stop. We'll continue working with the manufacturer to get them to the point where they can pass the program requirements because ultimately the goal for USP is to ensure that good quality dietary supplements get to the consumer store shelves. Right. Well, that's wonderful for the consumer. Let me take one break and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you are tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, and we are speaking with Dr. John Atwater. He is the Senior Director of Verification Programs for U.S. Pharmacopeia, and if you've ever gone shopping for a dietary supplement, you have probably noticed that some bottles or containers contain certain seals on them. And we are talking specifically about the USP seal and what it delivers to us as consumers. Now, I have an article here, Dr. Atwater, from Consumer Reports, and it says that manufacturers must pay to get their supplements tested and certified, which may be a reason that only a tiny fraction of the 90,000 or so dietary supplements on the market carry one of these seals. USP, for example, has verified only 139 products to date. Is that correct? This is from 2016. So we're a few years after that. Would you say that's still about the same number? Well, it's certainly a small percentage of the dietary supplement products that are out there in the marketplace. There's certainly a large proportion of dietary supplements that are sold that wouldn't even be acceptable for inclusion in our program. Sure. Uh, And that could be for several reasons, primarily due to safety concerns or even to regulatory concerns. There's certainly a lot of dietary supplements that are sold that, frankly, contain ingredients that are not dietary ingredients. Right. In fact, in looking at this Consumer Reports article, I noticed that what you don't test are products known to contain unsafe ingredients, as you mentioned, and those marketed for erectile dysfunction, weight loss, or sports. Well, in my world, so many people are looking for a weight loss supplement or something that is going to enhance their sports performance. And I know from my own research in helping consumers choose products, and I basically recommend largely that they don't, that a lot of these types of supplements are indeed contaminated with pharmaceutical ingredients. 
True, true. But we would be able to verify products in those classifications, especially sports supplements, but only those products that have been shown not to contain ingredients that are unsafe or that are not considered uh, dietary ingredients. So it's, it's not as if we don't want to verify those products. It's just that manufacturers have not come to USP and asked us to verify those products. Oh, that's interesting. Well, the other point that I wanted to bring up has to do with the way we see dietary supplements and to help our listeners understand how they vary in terms of regulation. And there was a wonderful article that was posted on the USP.org website that spoke about consumers choosing quality supplements with the help of the USP verified mark. But it talks about how dietary supplements are regulated like foods, not drugs. And I think that because supplements look like drugs, they come in little capsules and tablets, that we think they might be regulated like drugs. Tell me the difference. Well, dietary supplements, you would think, look and seem more like a a pharmaceutical drug product, but they are classified as a food, a special class of foods, according to the FDA. Mm -hmm. They are regulated by the Center of Food Safety and Nutrition, at the FDA. This classification was really established in 1994 with the passage of the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. And that act actually defined what a dietary supplement is and also what a dietary ingredient is. And it really established the regulatory framework for dietary supplements. So dietary supplements are considered to be safe just as most foods would be considered safe. They don't go through the same type of regulatory review process as a drug product would. But oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, dietary supplements are not regulated, and that's not true. They are regulated. They just aren't regulated like drugs. Mm -hmm. So am I correct to say that dietary supplements are presumed safe until proven guilty? Correct. Okay. That's important, I think, because then we get to the question of how do we know if a dietary supplement might have caused harm and how do we report that suspected harm? Well, it's hard to know whether a dietary supplement causes harm unless you have some acute response to taking a dietary supplement. Right. And actually, in those cases, there is the responsibility for manufacturers if they're notified that their product gave a severe adverse event to a consumer. They have to report that to the FDA. And consumers can also report adverse events, whether they be severe or not, to the FDA. But oftentimes, consumers don't do that or are not even aware that they can do that. Yeah, that's right. And I think that that's a real shortcoming in terms of how do we follow through on whether or not a product might have caused harm or might be totally worthless. Um, we just don't have a really quick and easy way to do that. You've got to go online and fill out forms. And that can be somewhat intimidating, I think. I wanted to bring up another issue, and that has to do with an article that was brought to my attention about these counterfeit kinds of supplements or supplements that are fakes that have been sold, say, through Amazon. 
And I wonder, what is your advice for consumers about finding products sold on Amazon? How do we know if they're legitimate or not? Well, you really don't. You know, it's buyer beware. Certainly, it's probably best to purchase dietary supplements from a retail store, from a retailer like Costco or Walgreens that uh, has a very good reputation. You can have greater confidence in the quality of a product purchased at a retail store than you can online. Mm-hmm. Certainly, obviously, you know any product that bears the USP verified mark, you can certainly trust in the uh, quality of that product. The USP verified mark really makes quality visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we like to say that it provides consumers with peace of mind that the product is of high quality. Mm-hmm. It really provides them with the assurance that what's on the label is in the bottle, that it contains the ingredients listed on the label in the declared potency and amounts, that it does not contain unacceptable levels of specified contaminants, that it will break down properly in the body to allow the dietary ingredients to be available for absorption by the body, and that it has been manufactured according to good manufacturing practices using safe, sanitary, and well-controlled manufacturing processes. And sometimes we refer to this as the four P's of quality. Positive identity, that it contains the ingredients listed on the label. Purity, it does not contain harmful levels of specified contaminants. Performance, that it will break down and release the ingredients in the body within a specified amount of time. And then potency, the ingredients are present in the correct amount. That is so good to know, Dr. Atwater. I really appreciate these consumer tips because they will make such a huge difference. I was really surprised to see how many people take dietary supplements. This was just a news report in 2017, said that up to 170 million Americans take some mm-hmm. form of dietary supplement. And then on the USP site, it was two-thirds of adults and one-third of children. And these are from reputable survey sites. And of course, many people, such as pregnant women, who are really in this high-risk category, should they be exposed to contaminants like arsenic and lead and mercury, we really do need to have a way to help these individuals who would be at high risk know which products are safe for them. Well, and we're trying to do what we can, obviously, with the uh, USP verified mark. And as you indicated uh, you know, earlier, There are not that many products out in the marketplace with the USP verified mark, but until consumers start demanding that, manufacturers are not apt to participate in the program. Just as you indicated, there is a cost to participating in the program, but quality doesn't come free. Right, exactly. Well, let me ask you something. We've got about five minutes left. I want to put the ball in your court. Is there anything in particular that you want people to know about USP? Well, it's funny. I I think oftentimes I refer to USP as the best-kept secret. Although we've been around for almost 200 years, actually January 1st of 2020, USP will be celebrating its 200th anniversary. Oh, wow. Yes. And we are a not-for-profit, self-funded, private, independent scientific organization whose mission is to protect public health. And we do that in two primary ways. First and foremost, We set quality standards for drugs, dietary supplements, and food ingredients. And we have the, you know, several public health programs, such as the verification program for dietary supplements. And 
And it's, those, again, those standards that we create that form the foundation of the program. And it's, it's one of the reasons that makes uh, the verification program best in class, alongside the in-depth process by which we go through to verify the quality of supplements. Mm-hmm. Are most supplements produced in the United States, or are many of them imported? Well, a lot of them, uh, most of them I would say are manufactured in the U.S., but they're manufactured with ingredients that come primarily from overseas. I mean, and there are dietary supplement manufacturers overseas as well that manufacture products, but most of them are in the U.S. with ingredients sourced uh, globally. Well, I ask that question because of a book that I recently saw that looked at generics and the problems with some of the manufacturing facilities that might be, say, in a community in India where you don't have the kind of sanitary conditions that one might expect in a U.S. lab. Right, but there can be good companies in overseas, just like there can be bad companies here in the U.S. That's Um, right. That's fair. Yeah. And again, you know, the companies that we work with, we make sure that they're the good companies um, in order for them to earn the mark on their uh, product. Right. Hey, let me ask you, oftentimes we think, depending on price, if something has a higher price, is it necessarily going to be better? Oh, no, certainly not. You know, oftentimes the, the higher price of a product can be because of all the marketing dollars that go into selling the product. Right. But no. And and again, I always have to come back to the fact that the USP verified mark is the easiest way to identify that you're dealing with a quality product. Um, You know, we do all the hard work and all the worrying so that consumers don't have to. That's great. One of the other issues that I've often wondered about for individuals who are involved in testing, I'm sure you've seen or you're aware of some major atrocities. Of course, I always look for contaminants like arsenic and lead and mercury. I know that the FDA does permit a certain level of rodent matter or hair in spices, for example, even that. What are the rules for dietary supplements, and what are some of the atrocities that you have become aware of? Well, this, again, is where USP standards plays an important role. Sure. You know, we have set standards for the limits for undesirable contaminants, and these limits are established based on safety concerns. So we have limits for contaminants such as elemental impurities, which are often called heavy metals like lead, mercury, cadmium, and arsenic, right. limits for PCBs, dioxins, and furans, which you often will find in fish oil. Mm. Those limits are extremely, extremely low. They're on the uh, part per trillion level as opposed to the part per million or billion level for some other contaminants. So, you know, depending on the level of toxicity of the contaminant, that will determine the acceptable limit for those contaminants. Okay. Uh, and USB sets those limits for all contaminants of concern. Wonderful. Well, I want to refer people to the USP.org site and be prepared for an education. It's a wonderful 
website to raise awareness and choose the the products that are the safest for public health. In closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Dr. John Atwater. He is the Senior Director of Verification Programs at U.S. Pharmacopeia. Thank you so much, Dr. Atwater, for this great education. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you.